Well, thank you, band. I appreciate everything you do. I know that it takes a lot of effort to do what you do, and you contribute so much to the service. Um, thank you much. How many of you would say, if I had a little bit more money, my life would be a lot easier? Well, yeah, okay, thank you, all right. Um, or maybe my life would be a lot better. I think I've probably said that my whole life. Um, because it's like, you know, it, it's, I remember thinking, you know, and I, want, I don't want to put any numbers here because I don't know where you are, but I remember thinking when I was working a second job, working at our church in Texas, and we made like that much money, and I was thinking, man, I don't know what people do when they make this much money. You know, I mean, that's, that's like, I, we just have so much, well, now I make that much money. And it's like, it's like, it still feels like, well, it'd be nice to make that much. I mean, it's like, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's like, it would always be nice, right? Our life would feel better and easier if we made more money, which leads us to one of the most commonly misquoted and misunderstood verses in the Bible. And you've probably heard it this way. That money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. And you probably, because you're at the 9 o'clock service, are the more savvy Christians in our church. (laughs) And the more knowledgeable. And yeah, and so you're thinking, Eric, I know that's not what that verse says. I said they're misunderstood and misquoted, right? Because we hear it all the time. I saw it on a tip jar one time. Money is the root of all evil. Let's help you with that. <laughs> Give some of it up here. We'll help you with that, right? So, so here's what the actual verse says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, the love of money is the root of all evil. The good news is that's probably not you, right? It's probably some other greedy person who loves money, but not you. So how, though, do we know and how can we identify in our own lives if we love money too much? So what we're going to do is take a look at this verse in Ecclesiastes where Solomon, who was like at the time the richest man who had ever lived, he says this, he says, He that loves silver shall not be, what, satisfied with silver? And then he said, Nor he that loves abundance with increase. So Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, at that time in his life, the richest man who ever lived, and if you read Ecclesiastes, you're going to get really depressed because he must have really been in a bad place in his life when he wrote Ecclesiastes because he was really bummed out the whole whole book. But he said this, he he said, I don't care how much silver you have, it's never going to give you, you're never going to have enough to satisfy you. I don't care how much abundance, if that's what your focus is on, that's what he's saying. Do you see what he says here? He that loves silver. The person, listen, I'm not opposed to you making more money and working hard and being rewarded for you. Thank God for people like that. And thank you for being hard workers. But if our focus is on loving the product of all of our work, and we are working because we love money and we want more money. The Bible says you're never going to be satisfied. So how do you know if you love 
money. If love of money is the root of all evil, how do you know if you love it? Because it's never enough. It's just never enough. How much money do you need to be satisfied? How much money do you need to be happy? How much money do you need to feel secure? And the answer is a little bit more. A little bit more. So as we've learned in this series, when we have a verse that's misunderstood or misquoted or misapplied, we have to look at the context, right? We have to look at the, at the whole amount of Scripture. And Rob gave me this great statement this week. He said, we should apply Scripture by looking at the sum, S-U-M, of Scripture, not just sum, S-O-M-E, of Scripture. Great statement, isn't it? We should apply Scripture by looking at the sum of Scripture, not, the, not just sum of Scripture. And so as with that in mind here, I wish you would have told me that like four weeks ago. It would have been great to use the whole way through the series. But let's look in context. There's so much in this passage, and and we're going to cover a lot of the verses this morning because there's so much good stuff. And and here's the thing. I, I understand and I recognize the fact and I have heard it from people who have visited here or, or come to church here, whatever, that, that, uh, that the church they came from or, or they, the churches have this reputation about speaking about money all the time. Now, that's not me, and that's not who we are. And I think if you go back and look, I think probably once or twice a year we have a sermon that's focused on money. I actually think that's a disservice to you. Because money is such an important part of our life, and learning how to handle it correctly and gaining the correct perspective on it is part of the, it's such a big part of the Christian life. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ said that if you're faithful in the least of these things, and he was talking about money in that passage. He was saying if you're faithful in the smallest things, parentheses, like money, then you'll be faithful in the great things. But if you're not faithful in the small things, parentheses, money, then you won't be faithful in the big things. It is an indicator. Money and how you use it and how you spend it is such an indicator of your heart. It's like a direct reflection because what does the Bible say? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's like, it's like such a, a mirror of where your focus is in life. So I think that it is critical for us to have this conversation. All right, that's kind of generous. This really isn't a conversation, isn't it? It's uh, this is more like a monologue. But I appreciate you indulging my monologue. Um, but the, it's conversation just sounds so much friendlier. But I think it's I think it's critical that we understand what what the apostle Paul meant when he was writing to his mentor in the faith, Timothy, his student, his disciple, about this issue of money. A couple verses prior to our Text verse here is 1 Timothy Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Look what he says. But godliness with contentment, (laughs) that's huge, is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Godliness with contentment. Look at the perspective in that verse. And you've heard it before. You've never seen a U-Haul? Following a hearse, right? You've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
That'll be one of my wishes when I die, just so that you can say that you saw it one time. No, actually, I think I did see a U-Haul. My pastor, yeah, I think. It's like the, the old guy that, uh, this may be one of the things I regret, but the old guy that he was married and he was just a grouch his whole life and just worked and saved money and kept all of his money in the, in the suitcase and he stored it up in the attic so that whenever he died, he could grab it on the way. So he dies, right? And his wife says, I told him he should have put it in the basement. Because <laughs> he went the opposite direction. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but you can't take it with you. And look at the very next verse, First Timothy 6. First, I'm having a real hard time with the word Timothy, okay? That book that we're talking about, the very next verse says, And having food and raiment, let us be there with what? Content. But do we really believe that? Come on. We have so much more than food and raiment. We, but I mean, here, here's, a, here's a great statement. The richest among us are not those who have the most, but those who need the least. So, so here's, and we're going to get into this in just a little bit, but when you compare how we live to the rest of the world, are you kidding me? We are rich. We are rich. Only 9% of the world's population owns a car. 9% of the world's population owns a car. You are rich. We are rich. Here's another great statement. There's kind of two of them here. Discontentment makes rich people poor. And contentment makes poor people rich. And see, do you see where we're going with this? It's about, it's about how important money is in your life. It's about the love of money. You understand? It's, listen, if you're a billionaire here today and money doesn't control your life and it's not what brings you happiness, praise God, I'm glad that you have that. But there are people who have nothing and are incredibly miserable because they never feel like they have enough. Contentment makes poor people rich, and discontentment makes rich people poor. What I'm saying is that money is not the fix-all. Money is not what makes you content. Money's nice to have, and I'm not opposed to it whatsoever, and I love having it. But when it becomes what you love, then we have some issues. Let's continue reading in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at this. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now, not like, not like if you're going to be rich, you're going to be, you know, what he's saying is those that will. In other words, that's your motivation. You just want to get rich to get rich. So you have to kind of read that in context with what we're reading here. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, right? 
which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That's where he stuck that right in there in verse 10. Which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And we could all tell stories of how money separated best friends and money hurt family relationships. I mean, what if you won the lottery? You'd have so many friends. You'd have the largest family reunion you've ever been to in your life. Right? And they'd all want a piece of it. And then if you didn't, if you didn't do what they thought you ought to do with it, they would hate you. Money is not what makes people happy. Money can honestly do just the opposite of that. But here's the truth. Having money isn't bad. Loving money is bad. And that's the big emphasis from today. Jesus said you can't serve God and money. He said you can't have both of them be your focus point in life. Money is dangerous because it's going to distract you from whatever God has for you in your life. But listen, having things is not bad. I like having things. I buy things I don't need all the time. I buy things, and I justify them when I buy them because they're for my family. And we will have a good time. I can protect my family with that. Yes, you're welcome, honey. You're welcome. Hallelujah. And I do stupid stuff with money. I try not to. I try not to. But it's like, I, I was telling Scott this morning, it's like I, I, get, I start obsessing over stuff. Now, I'm not, I'm not a quick purchaser. Oh, I drive my wife crazy? Because I'll get stuck on something and I'll talk about it for weeks. I'll investigate it. I'll research it. I'll do everything I can to make sure that when I spend the money, it was the right decision. But I like to do that kind of stuff, and it drives me crazy, but not as much as it drives my wife crazy, which isn't a very far trip. I won't say that in the 11 o'clock hour. I'm just, <laughs> we're going to cut that one out. Um, and there's, listen, there is no doubt that God has blessed us, right? I mean, there's just, there's no doubt about it. But here's what I want to emphasize. We don't have to apologize for the blessings of God. We should maximize the blessings of God. Boom! I just laid it down. We should not, that sounded so hip. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? We, we don't have to apologize for the blessings of God in our life. I don't feel bad that I have a nice car. I, don't, I worked hard for that car. I don't feel bad that I've got stuff. But we should maximize what it is that God has given us. Do you understand? So, so it's a means to an end. It's not the stuff that makes you happy. It's not, the, it's not the money that makes you happy. It's what God can do with what he has given you that brings you the contentment and the joy and the happiness in life that fulfills you like just having a bigger paycheck won't do. <laughs> money is made to serve us. 
right? We're not made to serve it. Look what, look what God said in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. So there's two things there. Number one, he gives you the power. Number two, he doesn't mind you having wealth. Aren't you happy? You say, God, I wouldn't mind it either. But God gives you the ability. He gives you the health. He gave you the job. He gives you the, the, the wherewithal and the mental acuity to be able to work your job and to do a good job and to get a paycheck. He gives you the ability, and he's not opposed to you having some wealth. I love that. He's not opposed to that whatsoever. It's not a sin to have money. It's just a sin to love money. So as we continue reading in 1 Timothy, take, out, take a look at verse 17. Charge them, though. Are you ready? This is like a little, okay, but now let's, let's kind of rubber meets the road kind of thing. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the, loving, the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I love that. So money is a means to an end, not the end. We have money, we have things to enjoy them, no doubt, but to then also use them. You have, I have, hundreds of dollars. A year's worth of pay for most of the world's population of technology sitting right here in our pocket. We don't even think about it. And you know what? I didn't even bat an eye to spend the money on this. Because this is like my, my whole world revolves around this. Between communication and emailing and, and everything I do there, I didn't bat an eye. My wife and I will go on a, a date in our car that only 9% of the world owns. We'll drive by 10 restaurants because we're trying to figure out if we have a taste for anything. Think about this. We could just as soon eat at home, but we're willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money so somebody can cook for us and bring it to our table. Think about it. And we have so many choices. So we, we drive by 10 restaurants. We pick out where we want to eat. Then we're given a menu with a myriad of choices. And we get a little like, man, I, I haven't had a drink refill in quite a while. Really? I mean, they even, they even give you your fork and knife and a nice, I mean, every, everything's right there. Anything you ask, they'll bring it to you. Except equal. Hardly anybody has equal anymore. Everybody has Splenda and Sweet and Low, but nobody has equal. <sighs> I should be like my mom and just carry it with me everywhere I go. She had it everywhere, in the armrest of her car, in the purse. That was my mom. Everywhere. Oh, I have some of that for you right here. I'm Okay. I won't do that in the 11 o'clock hour service either. <laughs> so we go to these restaurants, they cook all of our food for us, then we go home and we put our car in a house 
We call it a garage. We park our car in its own house so it doesn't get wet. We're rich, people. We are rich. Now, knowing that you are rich, this verse isn't about somebody else, people. This verse is about you. You are rich. So, charge them that are rich in this world. Same verse there, Dave. Sorry, I jumped on you. Verse 17, take a look at it. Charge them that are rich in this world. This is you, people, okay? This is you. Don't be high-minded. Don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's for you. Don't trust in riches. Put your trust and hope in God. Because money deceives us. Money makes us think that it can meet our needs, but it just can't do it. Money (laughs) makes promises that only God can provide. So here's the problem. We trust in riches, and we, we, we work hard and miss out on our family. We work hard and don't have any money to give to God. We work hard and never have the opportunity to serve anywhere because we think money is going to bring us happiness and security. We feel like it's going to bring us everything that only God can provide. Money is not the answer to your deepest needs. Jesus Christ is the answer to your deepest needs. More money isn't going to help your kids stay off drugs. More money is not going to cure your best friend's cancer. More money is not going to give you a better marriage. In fact, just the opposite, probably. Money cannot provide only what God can. We don't need more money. We need more Jesus. And take a look at this, verses 18 and 19. That they do good. This is, this is you rich people. That they do good. That they be rich in what? Good works. Woo. Wow. Ready to do what? Distribute. No! This is my money. Ready To distribute, what do you need? Here's the keys. What do you need? Yeah. Now listen, admittedly, admittedly, I am not the best person to teach you how to balance a checkbook. I've got strength and weaknesses in my life. Finances is not a strength. I can make money. But I out-earn my stupidity, okay? That's just Stephen's laughing because he knows. He knows. I'm like the worst guy with money. I will write a check, and I'll pay. I mean, I am. I got no problem with the ready-to-distribute part, okay? I, 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 probably, I probably err way on that side too much. And I think we ought to be responsible, okay? And I'm not saying don't hurt yourself. I'm just saying 
Be ready to distribute. Be, I mean, God has given this to you for a reason. And just like God did this with you, he turned the, the tap on, God can do this with you. Oh, it's yours now, is it? Oh, I can't trust you with what I've given you. Oh, I see. You're going to keep everything I give you like the whole world revolves around you when really I gave that to you for them. Okay. I'll just turn the spigot down a little bit. And I don't think God is in the business of retribution. I think he's in the business of good stewardship. And if you're not going to take good care of what I've given you, you ain't getting any more. I think we ought to be ready to distribute. I love this, willing to communicate. That's a really fancy word that just means willing to share. Oh, you need this? Sure. Oh, and I need your, yeah, okay. We're sharing. We're sharing. You, know what, you know when I see that kind of stuff happening? is like when you have a power outage. And you have a big snowfall and a power outage. I love when that happens. I love when that happens. Number one, because it, all this stuff that I bought, we get to use it. <laughs> right? Oh, the lights flickered. I'll go start the generator. <laughs> so it's like when that happens and I'm out shoveling my driveway and I see my neighbor doing that and then my other neighbor comes down. See, they don't touch our road for a long time in these big snowfalls. So, so my one neighbor has a bobcat. I've got a snowblower. My other guy's got a four-wheeler with a, with a plow on the front of it. And we just take care of everybody. It's just the coolest thing. We don't even text everybody. We just say, it's about that time. And if I hear him out there on the plow, oh, better get my snow coat on. I go out there and I crank up my snowblower. We start doing people's driveways and Bobcat comes down. It's just, we, we get together and we share stuff. We do stuff for each other. That's what it's talking about right there. And when you're in a body of believers like this, what a great opportunity. But you know what? You're not going to know each other's needs if you're not in each other's lives. And you won't, so you come to church and you drop a little gift to God in the offering bucket and you shake a few hands and go home. That's not doing life together. How can you be ready to distribute and willing to communicate when you don't know anybody? That's why I love our community groups because you get into each other's lives and you hear each other's prayer requests and you find out what each other's needs are and you're texting each other to check on each other. See how, you, man, Satan's really attacking me this week. Man, I'm sorry to hear. What can we do to help? Let me take this off your shoulders. I mean, that's what doing life is all about. That's being willing to distribute and willing to communicate. That's what it's talking about. Laying up in store for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come that you may hold, take hold on eternal life. One big last statement here. The antidote for the love of money is not more money, it's generosity. Wow. The antidote for the love of money is generosity. Man, that'll get it right out of you. That'll cure you. And there is something that generosity does for you that's just, man, it's just awesome. It's fun. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But I mean, just being able to do stuff for people is so fulfilling. And it's a lot more fun to give somebody a $100 bill or pay for their meal. Do you ever do that? 
Like just God speaks to your heart. Now, if there's an old man in Cracker Barrel, we are paying for the meal if my wife is with me. She loves old men. Just that's the way it is. I mean, she just, Gilbert, so if we're ever out to eat together, no. Um, yeah, she just, <laughs> it's, like, it's like if she sees an old guy, she's like, did you see him, Eric? You know what she's saying? Pick up his check, Eric. Especially if he's alone. Oh, my goodness, if he's alone. She's not only going to pay for his meal. She, never mind. She's, it's like, but that's so much fun to do little things like that for people. Um, I love being able to contribute and distribute. And that does something for me that keeping that extra money in my bank account will just never do. So how do you know if you love money? Because you just want more of it, just to have more of it. And what's the antidote for that? Generosity. Tithing helps with that. Giving on a regular basis. I love our automated giving that we have here. You know, it's, you just go on to the church website, giving, set yourself up an account. It'll just take money out of your account every, every single week, whatever, however you set it up on a regular basis. That way you never forget about it. It's always there. You never have to think about it. I think God honors that. I think generosity helps. It's not wrong to have money. It's wrong to love money. God told us to be good stewards of what he gave us. I mean, so how many of us really recognize that we are truly blessed? Yeah, that's just, obviously, we're, that's a no-brainer. We need to be looking for opportunities to be generous. 90% with God's blessing, is better than 100% without it. Just saying. One of my friends, I met with them last February. They started coming to church here. <clears throat> and it's one of those things where they were clients of mine, and now they're regular attenders. And I was meeting with, this, with them this week, and they were just sharing with me how God has been blessing their life. And he looked at me and he said, Eric, let me tell you, we have been giving faithfully since we started coming to your church, and we just had not been doing that. And I credit all the blessings that we have experienced in the last six months to the fact that we have given regularly to the Lord through Virginia Hills Church. And he said, it makes me want to give more. And listen, please don't read into that. I'm not trying to manipulate you, and I'm not trying to say, if you do that, that's going to happen to you. I was just overjoyed for them to see God blessing their lives because they took a step of faith and give on a regular basis to God. Because God has enriched us blessedly. <laughs> because God has blessed us richly. Thank you. Shut up. He can rich us blessedly if he wants to. He's God. Don't you know that? Because God has blessed us richly, and he can rich us blessedly. I don't care. Because God has blessed us richly, we have an obligation to do good with, with what he's given. Oh, I've just lost you now, haven't I? I'm done. I've lost Cindy anyway. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Try and control her, Gary. Okay, I understand. I understand. I understand. Okay. Let's have a word of prayer for Gary right now. Um, 
Some of you have tried it all. You still feel empty. But we have this Christ-shaped void in our life that money's not going to fill. Only Jesus can fill that. You don't need more of this world. You need more of Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you, and thank you for your word, and thank you for the clarity of Scripture. And this whole passage, chapter 6, is something that's worth our time, I believe, to go back and study and, and dig a little bit further. God, I want to be faithful in the small things like money. I want to honor you, and I want my focus to be what pleases you and what's good for others. And I like having stuff. And you've blessed us with a lot of stuff. But I pray that you would help us to keep the right heart attitude about money so that we are not entrapped by that love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.